Welcome to Titanic Reaction. I'm Tony Mangus. Be aware, these are real stories. Well, most of them are. They will contain tales of alcohol, drugs, sex, extreme violence, and language Mary Whitehouse would not approve of. Take caution when listening. This is Titanic Reaction. I'm Tony Mangus, and I'm here with Os Rotten. I'm here with Eric and Corey today. Well, so let's just start. How'd you guys get into punk? Go first, Corey. Well, we'll do that. You go first, and I'll go second. <laughs> okay. um, I don't know. Punk found me, I guess. I don't know. I was a, a young, dirty metalhead kid that, uh, yeah, grew up on my mom's Motown records and got into ACDC and Black Sabbath because of my older cousins. Then punk kind of, it kind of just seemed to, I don't know, metal metal was dying at that, like when you know, when I was getting into punk, metal was dying. Uh, uh, Cliff Burton was dead. And uh, it kind of, yeah, it seems like 86, 87, things really went downhill for metal. And I don't know. I just wanted something different. I, I guess uh, I think Agnostic Front was probably the first first punk hardcore band I got into, like them and Black Flag. And I, I just... It, I don't know. It just really appealed to me. And musically, it was, it was you know, for an angry young kid, it was absolutely perfect. And yeah, that's kind of how it's kind of how I got started with it. I don't know. They, kids in the neighborhood, too. We all, it's like everyone, you know, there's a lot of kids in our neighborhood, all different kinds of, you know, different walks of life and stuff like that. And I don't know. It seemed like everybody got into it together in a sense, you know. Just yeah, I, I get I, it's kind of a weak answer, but that's it's it's pretty simple for me. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. No, but that's a good way to that's a good way to look at it. The when metal was kind of dying because that was one of the last metal concerts I went to was I went and saw Metallica with Cliff Burton for the Ride the Lightning tour. Oh yeah, and and that's it. And I saw like a group of punk girls there and they had like GBH and discharge and bet them on the back of their jacket. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of how I found punk. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, that's, I guess it was like also like the artwork. Was, I always say like Ray Pettibon's artwork is kind of what, what really piqued my interest in, you know, uh, bands like black flag and um, just, yeah, his artwork just really sucked me in. I don't know. I, I, I kind of attribute that. Uh, into making me curious about, you know, what the hell is this? Like picking up like the In My Head record and like the different captions on it and stuff like that. And it just really piqued my interest and it creeped me out and I really liked it. <laughs> this isn't the stuff that I'm supposed to like, you know, or that's that's kind of how it happened for me. So, yeah. Yeah, the Petty Bone art is good. It's like a horror, it's like a horror movie. It just draws you in. But like oh yeah, super yeah. dark, like a combination of suicide and murder and Yeah, a few words and it tells a you know, it's just it, the it tells a whole story, you know. It's just his artwork tells a story then just the the five words that he has underneath of it just totally totally just kind of dials it in, you know. So there's there's still some of them because I I I've got a couple of his books and uh, I follow him on Instagram and stuff like that and he shows a lot of his artwork and um, there's still some I'm just like I don't know what the hell this means you know it's just like the, the quote underneath of it it's like 
I don't know what that means, but goddamn, that sounds deep, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I always give him a shot, you know. So his his artwork. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it was, it's it's a similar story that you know Corey has. I was a young kid in the you know hard rock, heavy metal, ACDC, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne kind of stuff. Then, like by the mid '80s, I kind of I kind of discovered punk and hardcore and like thrash and crossover and stuff like that kind of the same time, you know, because it's what was going on at the time. You had that crossover scene and you know, I was really into Oh skate- yeah. With like DRI. And- yeah. Yeah. So I was into skateboarding. So it made sense, you know, to listen to Slayer and Metallica, but also listen to DRI and COC because they were hardcore bands going more metal. The metal bands were going more hardcore you know, I, you know, and like Corey said, bands like Agnostic Front used to play Pittsburgh every other weekend. So I'd see them and a lot and get into them. And, um, but, you know, Discharge, stuff like that, obviously, Black Flag. Black Flag was probably the first band I obsessed over in, in the punk and hardcore genre. And then uh, I had a friend, Dave, not Dave from Ross Rodman, another guy named Dave. And he was always seeking out extreme music. And he and I got into the British stuff that was going on in the mid late eighties too, you know, like doom and napalm death. And uh, what was that label? Like manic ears records and Peaceville and earache and that kind of stuff. Like the real heavy crust, I guess it would have been called. So, you know, for me, I guess, you know, a lot of people that were already in the punk and hardcore from the early eighties thought it was dead by the mid and a lot of people say it was dead by 83. And here I was 85, 86, 87, getting into it. But I was getting into the more metallic stuff, I guess, you know, the crossover stuff. So um, I started there, kind of went back. And then I started discovering, you know, hardcore and then 70s punk and stuff like that. But yeah, same, same story. It was just, you know, shitty white suburban kid <laughs> into heavy metal and hard rock <laughs> then discovered you know thrash metal and crossover and hardcore all around the same time and i it just you know i loved it i was always looking for extreme music and the next thing the next extreme thing what's this genre what's this band and like what shirts kirk hammett wearing <laughs> <laughs> that's how i heard of discharge you know mm-hmm. it was just like on a ride the lightning uh Post my brother had the ride the lightning poster. It had like, you know, the electric chair that had like, you know, the four pic the four pictures of the four guys in the bands and fucking uh uh Kirk Hammond's wearing a goddamn discharge shirt. And it's like, what the hell is that? And Cliff Burton was wearing like some like raggy ass fucking misfits shirt, you know, and it's it's also how I heard them heard of the misfits. It's because of the shirts they were wearing, you know. Yeah. Then you've got, you know, then some of those thrash records back. Then you flip over the back cover, and they had like the, as Mike Bolin would call them, Eric, is the the thrash collage on the back, and it's nothing but like <laughs> shout outs, you know. It's like yeah. you read you read the thanks to list, and it like would list like fifteen fucking bands that that are new to you because you never heard of them, but it's like wow, that sounds badass, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, then you see like whatever shirts motherfuckers are wearing and stuff like that. You, <laughs> next time you go to the record store, you you ask one of your friends about them or, you know, or you just went and just, yeah, just sought it out yourself, you know, and you literally yeah. the record store or order it, you know, because yeah. the record store didn't always have those, you know, so. Yeah. Like, hell, it's I really like, 
Yeah, tape trading and stuff too. And we'd go, me and my friends would go to the record store in downtown Pittsburgh. And none of us had money. So everybody would buy a record or two, but you'd also bought a blank cassette. And then you went back to someone's house and you all sat around and listened to the records. And then, oh man, I like that. Tape that for me. Oh, yeah. do you like what I bought? I'll tape it for you. Yeah. And stuff. And, and, you know, for me, like punk just and hardcore attracted me more. You know, at what age do you still sit around and listen to songs about the devil and demons and barbarians and start wanting to listen to songs about police brutality and war and politics and gov- how the government sucks or how, you know, <laughs> school yeah. sucks or whatever. So it would just, you know, I think as I got older, I kind of got more into punk. I didn't give a shit about the, the technical music of metal. I couldn't play that if I had to, you know, I, so punk, I could play it. The music was a little bit more raw and, and straight to the point and easy. So I could play it on the guitar. And then the lyrics attracted me more. Like I said, you know, when you're 12 and 13, the devil sounds cool. When you're 15, 16, 17, and you're still thinking about the devil, come on. <laughs> you know, at that point, the devil is in, or the police, you know, and the government system and stuff like that. So that's how I got into it.
what was Pittsburgh like back then? What was it like being a punk there? Pittsburgh a very blue collar, working class city. Um, and, you know, doesn't take kindly to weird things. And even in the suburbs, suburbs are probably worse, to be honest. You know, it's very blue collar. When, when people think of suburbs in general, they think everything's white picket fence and, and upper middle class and et cetera. And around here, it wasn't like that. You know, you had that, but majority of the suburbs, the places, the place Corey and I came from was very working class and blue collar and, and white and just, you know, well, it was maybe middle class, some, some families, not upper middle class. There was no, you know, the rich kids were middle class, you know? And yeah. so it was tough, you know, and kind of rednecky and everyone had a pickup truck and a Harley and a, you know, everyone look like Corey looks like now. <laughs> and, uh, it was rough. You know, you walked around, yeah, you walked around looking weird. Yeah. You know, stuff you're going to catch shit. Yeah. You know? And um, the city itself was, the steel industry was dead. So the city was kind of rough and, um, you know, a lot of boarded up buildings, a lot of impoverished neighborhoods and, and such. So, you know, it was, it was rough before that because of the steel industry. It stank, it was smoky, it was gritty, it was dirty. You know, all the stereotypes you hear of Pittsburgh. And then in the 80s into the 90s even, the steel industry was dead, a lot of unemployment. The city had yet to reinvent itself and go, we can get that, that down the road, but now it's more of a, you know, based around technology and medical and stuff like that. But it, at the time it was, you know, going through that weird transition, it was a rough place. So you had a lot of angry people and a lot of people, you know, if you're walking down the street looking different with weird hair and weird clothing, people were going to take it out on you. you know? <laughs> and then, but you had to like, you know, talk about the Steelers or something. It was good to know about football and stuff like that. It's, it's cheesy. Funny as that sounds, <laughs> it can save your ass from a, Save yourself from an ass beating, you know. Yeah. Chances are, you talk about the Steelers, and next thing you know, you found a common ground. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> chances are, whoever ends up beating the crap out of you is probably like one of your friends' cousins or some shit like that. There was yeah. always a connection, like, oh, that's you know, you oh, that's my right. damn cousin. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 weird. It's a small town, man. You know, Pittsburgh's a small town. Um, totally got that vibe to it. Uh, and back then, I think it was scarier because, like, I don't know, man. Uh, it was like a mix of metal and punk. You know, I mean, it was. It, it, I guess just for me, it, 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 yeah. you know, I, that's when I was going to shows, go see like crossover bands and stuff like that, and it was scary, man. There was because there was like absolute freaks, man, like people that. Like were far older than me, but absolutely terrifying. They were true fucking freaks, and it's like, again, it was like they they like, I guess I you know they're like the old guard, you know, like the first wave of like seriously damaged Pittsburgh people that happened to find punk rock, you know. Um, so that was kind of scary. Is like you know like a fourteen year old going to some of these shows and just just some menacing fucking people man you know then there's always there was always like fucking nazi skinheads and shit like that around 
and it, it, it was just terrifying. And uh, I'm glad I was able to navigate my way through it. I had, you know, I had good friends around me and stuff like that. I easily could have slidden that way of fucking turning into a fucking piece of shit like that, you know, because it was like it was it was really it was really strange, man. Yeah, because back then, I mean, even in Portland, Portland's kind of the same. Just yeah, quite yeah, a lot intense. of places were, man. But cause, yeah, because Portland also went through a transition. Like we used to be a logging town, and it, yeah, you know, it, a lot of hillbillies in Portland. But yeah. also, the punk scene was kind of scary, and there's lots of ways you could go. You could, and back then, it was just kind of accepted. There was Nazis there, and no one knew the difference. And yeah, yeah, you that's could cool. either. You could have got caught up that way, and Portland also has a lot of drugs, so you could just end up going the drug route. Right, right, yeah. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of Pittsburgh in a nutshell. I mean, it's like you think about like Port. I, I think Portland and Pittsburgh had a lot of similarities back then. You know, just like as you were saying, it used to be a logging town. It was trying to reinvent itself and stuff. You know. Hell, when you guys started coming, like in the early '90s, when you guys were coming out east, you know, it was like this—the Portland that you guys spoke of is completely different. It happened so fucking fast, too. You know, yeah, it was like Portland sounded pretty damn rough in like the early '90s. Drugs between, yeah, I mean, there's like you didn't have you didn't have that in Pittsburgh as much, I guess. Pittsburgh had its fair share of drugs, but I think it was more of a drinking town. Drinking like town. drank and, and really drank. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Crack crack kind of really fucked things up around here, too. That was... Pittsburgh suffered from the, the, the crack epidemic, you know? It, it was... It, it was kind of... It was just kind of scary back then. I don't know, man, because it was. It was... It's scary and exciting. Like, I started... Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was young, you know, also... 14, say I stood in the back of the room, didn't make eye contact, you know, got to go to a show with some older friends that had cars or whatever. And it was very exciting and very scary. And I mean, you know, the, 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 the fear was part of the excitement, you know, and you went to the <laughs> yeah. shows and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. You're in a small room, like somewhere like the Electric Banana, which was the big RCBGBs, you know, our, our big cool club. And it was a pretty small place, you know, and it was packed and everybody was bigger than you and everybody was older than you and everybody was scary, you know, and, and the band was scary and the music was scary. And I'm really proud of myself that I stuck through it, you know, because I could easily have gone to a few shows and was like, fuck this, I'm going to get my ass beat. Or, you know, but I was like, no, fuck it. If I get my ass beat, even better. You know, this is great. I want to be part of this. And I stuck and fought my way through it. It was great. And then you kind of realize like there were some, some tough people, some scary people and stuff, but eventually you realize like they weren't so bad, you know? I mean, there were some bad people and I'm not talking about like Nazi skinheads or anything. They were obviously bad, but just people in general, like people that I used to be afraid of, I became friends with eventually, you know? And, and like the older guys and, and the people in the bands, like my favorite bands at the time were Half-Life, Doomwatch. And I was afraid of those guys, but I'm still friends with them to this day, you know, 30 some years later. But, you know, he just stuck it out. It was rough. And I was like, what else am I going to do? You know, I, I really want something different in my life. I want to be part of this. I, I like what they're saying. I like what they're doing. And I'm just going to tough it out. And that's what I did, you know. And eventually I was like, wow, 
now I'm like part of this. I'm accepted. This is cool. We're cool, you know. I played football uh, up until high up up until high school, and uh, it was kind of it was kind of weird. I don't know my 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 football career ended in a sick of it all show. <laughs> it was like uh, <laughs> when they were spreading the hardcore reality. I was like blowing my ACA, ACL out, and shit like that. So that was the end of football for me. And it was also I remember the one time I had to go to football camp, and there was a show at the Banana. And I really wanted to go to it. And it was like, I don't know. It's like, well, maybe I can leave camp a day or two early to go to this show. You know, it wasn't <laughs> happening. I had to go to fucking football camp. It was like the descendants or not. No, it was it? It was uh, social distortion, social distortion. And uh, it was all's first tour. It was like right after the descendants, they were doing all. It was their first tour. And I remember like, I wanted to go. And that's so fucking bad. And yeah. And I had to go to camp. And I'm like, Fuck football, you know. Then I blew my knee out. Then I blew my knee out in a sick of it all show, you know. And uh, yeah, that was it. It was awesome. Then I was just like, yeah, sign me up, man. It's like, yeah, it was like going to see like Half Life and um, this. I don't know. Actually, you know what? You know what it was too. Is uh, yeah, seeing. I guess like seeing Poison Idea. That was a pretty big one for me. Uh, oh, what year like, did you see him? That was on Feel the Darkness. It was they they did oh, like an man. East Coast thing on Feel the Darkness, and uh, and it was I I was just I was like wow that that one really sold me. That's like when I met that's when I met like Alex from Submachine Christ. He was still living up in Erie. He came down for the show. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know that that had a huge impact on me. That that, that was those were like the shows that sold me. It was like. Seeing Half Life, seeing Poison Idea, GBH was huge for me. You know, um, yeah, of course, they were always good. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like one of those yeah. bands, always good. Every time I've seen them, always good. Uh, yeah, that was one of the scary shows for me. I got uh, uh, to see GBH with Chromax, and like, like <laughs> and that was like Chromax. No one knew who the Chromax were, right? <laughs> I don't even know if that album was out yet or it may have just come out. And they weren't like the the Chromags that you think about and talk about today. And that was, <laughs> you know, I was very young. I was like 14, maybe at the time, 1986. And that was one of my first shows. And that was pretty fucking scary, you know? Yeah. And it was I was cool. going to say, because the, the first time Chromags played in Portland, they opened for Motorhead, and it's the most violent show I've ever been to. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you saw that. And that's what, Orgasmatron tour. Yeah. That's, yeah, wow. Holy shit, yeah. That yeah, was a really awful first... time in Portland. Yeah. And that lineup just brings out the worst in everybody. But I can't believe you saw them before, like before the record was even. Yeah, out. they were kind of nobodies. Yeah. And um, GBH was a household name at that point, obviously. And um, that was a crazy one. And then like DRI, COC, probably around the same time. Some pretty, you know. In a small, like I said, in a small room, the, the banana was like your average restaurant, bar kind of size place. Very small. And just packed. Fucking packed. People going off. And you're standing in the back of the room like, this is incredible. But don't get too close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Yes, it was a blast. And that era poison idea is just poison idea played awesome here. Yeah, like the show Corey's talking about, they played like a small place called the Upstage, which was like a bar, like a stage in the corner. And uh they were awesome. Yeah, that was a good one too. That was a little later, by 89, 90 or so, when that one happened. Another great one. I mean, I can go on for hours. Well, yeah, because you got to see all kinds of bands that never made it to the West Coast. Yeah. Well, we were so close to New York. We saw New York bands regularly, you know, and like I said, Gnostic Front used to play every other weekend. They eventually got two Pittsburgh guys to move to New York and join the band. They were on um, Liberty and Justice, (laughs) where that album was called. Yeah, they had a couple of Pittsburghers on it. And we didn't maybe didn't see so many West Coast bands. We did, but not so many. But we got to see all the New York bands and stuff, especially yeah. bands, you know, played here. And when like that New York hardcore thing, like Corey's talking about, new, uh, sick of it all. Like when that Revelation Records, late '80s, uh, New York hardcore thing. A lot of those bands played here, so we got to see a lot of them too. Because you know, New York's five six hours from here, so you got yeah. to see sick of it all and Bold and Judge and Gorilla Biscuits and. You know, that's I wasn't super into that stuff, but I still went and saw those bands and they were good, you know. And I, I could do it. also at the same time, like Nirvana was around, like it was like Nirvana would play the same places that that you sick know, Sick of was playing, the Sick of it all was playing, yeah. yeah, you know. And it was like on the third floor of a Masonic temple building and you know, this burned out part of town, you know. And so, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, actually, I saw it. I it's like Nirvana playing in front of 20 people. It was like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Or something, you know. Yeah. I also saw, see, I saw a lot of that, that, uh, I guess, like that, that, uh, I guess, I guess it was grunge, I guess. I don't know. But I remember, I remember like Hole and Tad and bands like that playing Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. like Lazy Cowgirls and shit like that. I don't know. I never got into any of that stuff, but it was definitely yeah, I did. I like it was like kind of tied in with punk. You had punk bands, hardcore bands opening for those bands. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, like in the in the mid mid eighties, late eighties, you had the hardcore punk metal crossover. And then by like the nineteen ninety or so, whatever that proto grunge kind of music was, was kind of also getting tied in with was left of thrash metal and then like that maybe you know second or third wave of hardcore punk that was happening here you know the metal thing was maybe kind of dying out but like this we'll call it grunge for sake of argument for i can't think of anything else to call it i don't know what it was called but you know it started getting tied in with the punk scene too you know yeah yeah it was a strange time man it's, it seemed like music was changing I, you know, think, well, you know, crossover was happening. Metal was dying. Uh, punk was getting punk was metal. going more grunge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, punk was going metal. You know, I mean, think of like, you know, some of those like Broken Bones records from like '88. It's like kind of like in the in the mid '70s, like with the Stones, like like around '76. It's kind of like okay, what now? How do we do this? You know, and it, <laughs> trying something different. And, they went disco. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was horrible. Yes. Everybody <laughs> went disco. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> now, disco's fine and all, but 
when rock bands went disco, it just didn't work. Disco <laughs> bands. There's some, you know rock what? It's, your, disco. it's the only goddamn Grateful Dead song I like is their disco song. True. <laughs> Seriously, it's the only goddamn Grateful Dead song I like. You know, and it's just like maybe a couple others. But yeah, their disco song is pretty, pretty goddamn badass, man. It's you know, Shake Down Street. <laughs> yeah, Shake Down Street. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Those guys were. So what was happening in the, where was music at in Pittsburgh when you guys started? When Osron started? Yeah. What do you mean? Like clubs and venues or whatever? Uh, no, the, what, whatever was popular in Pittsburgh when you guys started, like oh, had, well, we, had the grunge crossover thing already happened or was medicine yeah. dying? I mean, Osron started like 91 or so, and it was kind of weird, like around 1990, things changed. Like it, it changed with the decade. Like 80s, the 80s are known for hardcore, punk, thrash metal. By 1990, like a lot of people dropped out of the scene, moved on, did whatever they're going to do with their lives. And those who remained, a lot of them kind of like we said, got into that, that grunge kind of thing. We're going more into that. And um, we kind of were like people from the 80s that stuck with punk, you know, with Osrodden. And we wanted to be a punk band. It was important. Like, okay, we're going to, no, 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 we're going to stay punk. We're going to have the hair and the jackets and and that sound. And we want to still sound like Discharge and stuff like that. And, you know, you had Submachine doing the same thing. They were older guys. We're still trying to stay, stay punk and hardcore. And um, Necrocedia was another local band. It was still playing hardcore, fast, hardcore punk. And we all kind of stuck with it, you know? And that kind of started, I don't know if you'd want to call it like a, a second wave or a third wave of hardcore in Pittsburgh. But, you know, that's what it was, you know? We just kind of stuck to our guns, for lack of a better term, and stuck with punk while a lot of people were dropping out or going, getting into like the sub pop music and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was like a huge, stuck with punk. yeah, it was definitely a lonely time to wear a studded leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally. true. <laughs> totally. Oh man. But we also like, you know, but we weren't the only ones like a lot of, in Portland and everywhere and a lot of other places in the country and the world. That's, I think, you know, when that heavy anarcho crust discharge influence kind of punk thing was starting to really take off. So it was a good time for the right time, the right place, I guess, in a way, but definitely the right time for us, Rod. And, you know, we just had to be like, Oh, like we like discharge and chaos UK and Verrukers and, and stuff like that. Let's play that. And there was other people in the country and the world thinking the same thing. And that's why you had all those like early nineties, black and white cover, anarchy, circled a political bands, you know, all were kind of happening at the same time across the country, you know, taking a lot of influence from the British, you know, what they were doing at the time. Like I talked about earlier, like doom and napalm death and, and the crust thing, you know? So that's, you know, we just, we kind of had like a focus, a purpose, an agenda, like, yeah, let's do that. Let's keep doing that. But it also kind of just happened naturally 
And it was kind of a weird coincidence that people in the country in the world, you know, we're thinking the same way. And next thing you know, a couple of years later, there's this scene, you know, of crust or whatever got labeled or anarchopunk or whatever in the 90s. There was that resurgence, you know, obviously, where the, 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 the British anarchopunk in the late 80s British crust scene, you know, went into the 90s and that became like, obviously very popular. It became a, the, the scene of the yeah, 90s, yeah. you know. You guys were doing it, Tony, out in Portland with your bands and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was pretty lonely. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't was a lot. Was in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, we may have been one of the only bands doing it in Pittsburgh. You know, we were kind of the only band really doing it. Like there was Submachine and Ecrasedia, and they were great. And they were just kind of doing like, the, you know, their they brand. Were hardcore dudes. Hardcore and, and stuff. And, you know, we were kind of trying to do that British crust discharge kind of thing. And we were. With a touch of like Doctor No and yeah, yeah, it was certainly an American influence too. Like for every for every discharge in Chaos UK of Ruger's riff, I stole I stole some Black Flag riffs too. You know, yeah, Yeah. that's the stuff you know I started with before I got into like the heavy anarcho kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, it's yeah, it's man, it was such a weird time that uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, the turn of the decade, it was just it's an interesting time to be a young person trying to find your way through all this shit and see where you fit in. And I guess it was like right around then I knew I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I always knew what I, I always knew what I didn't want to do. Uh, did did your guys' politics did it alienate you from the Pittsburgh punks or were people absolutely yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay. yeah it was like, I, was, I, was <laughs> I was hoping it was gonna be a positive answer I mean yes yeah. and no but mostly no you know um politics weren't very big in in the Pittsburgh punk scene um you know your standard you know fuck the police war is bad fuck the government but it didn't go much deeper than that and we took it a little deeper and people dug it but overall you know we got called pc and da 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 caught a lot of shit for it caught a lot of shit from the people who were on the other side of the political spectrum needless to say but um it was a little rough at first you know we we, we caught some shit because yeah. i think i think a lot of people were like-minded but it just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's, they just never got that deep into it. And of course, like in the 90s, there was that whole like PC was a bad term and there was a PC backlash. And, you know, if yeah. you were just, you know, I'm not racist, I'm not sexist, I'm not homophobic, then you were politically correct. And that was like a bad thing. It's like, huh? You know, <laughs> okay. I just, you know, I'm not a piece of shit. I don't call people certain words. You know, I'm. And that's bad. Yeah. Or, or, it's like or, a fucking or, hamster wheel because we're right back in. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. yeah it's, being, it's like the yeah. original 90s backlash against what it was like even political be, correctness. Yeah. Yeah. People be pissed off that we were like vegetarians, you know, and it was just kind of like, <laughs> why? Like, that's really the issue that yeah. you know, you're mad at us for that? People, yeah. It, was but it goes like, back to the Pittsburgh thing. Pittsburgh was a rough working class kind of environment and people <laughs> saw that as something different you know yeah and even in the punk scene you know and so there was some like pushback against that and people you know 
But I think, you know, people realized we were sincere. We stuck to our guns. We kept with it. And then eventually it wasn't as big of a deal. Yeah. At least with our yeah, friends and our yeah. peers and, and our scene, you know. There were maybe younger kids would come around yeah. and blow us shit. And we're like, well, you're younger than us. Fuck you. I'll beat your ass. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Okay. But with our friends and the older people and stuff at the time when we started, it was, it was a little different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. God, thinking back and remembering that time that, I mean, the fuck finally died now, but that was the beginning of shit like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Back in that, and that backlash. And he started in Pittsburgh. That motherfucker started his radio career in East McKeesport out near where Corey and I grew up. He started his career. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you Google him, look at his wiki. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm not going to get into it. I, I, Fuck yeah, him, he's dead. there's no reason. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> he finally died. But... He started here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, imagine <laughs> yeah. that. And then you ask us what's Pittsburgh like? Well, simple question. Rush Limbaugh got his start here. Next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what Pittsburgh's like. What's all these countries' problems? The refugees are only our leaders. changes as far to go along with your politics what changes did you make in your life as your politics grew um i mean for me i just became aware of 
things, you know, um, where my money, little money I had, but where it went, how I spent it, um, corporations and such that I, you know, didn't chose not to support anymore. People I chose to support, you know, um, we did a lot of benefits and got involved with, um, certain organizations, political anarchists, grassroots, whatever you want to call it, type organizations. You know, we started like a food, not bombs here, stuff like that. You know, um, we got, you know, just in, like I said, involved more aware of what was going on and more involved with it. And, you know, you just made like changes in your life. If you became vegetarian, so you obviously weren't eating at restaurants and places and stuff like that. You weren't, you know, that you used to maybe when you were younger and just, you know, you made adjustments in your life because you're like, okay, this is the way it's going to be. This is what I believe in. I got to make some changes. And sounds really simple, but it's kind of what you did, you know, the way it was. Well, yeah, it's hard to make that kind of stuff become a habit once you mm-hmm. finally yeah. know it. Yeah. yeah. But if you're sincere and you're really into it and you really believe it, it, you did it. And it was kind of easy. At first, it might have been hard, but, you know, you're really like, no, fuck this. This is what I want to do. You did it. You know, and I, I don't. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, it was. It, was exciting. Yeah, it goes back to that exciting thing. It was something new. It was exciting. I felt like I was doing something. You know, and making a yeah. difference. Even if it was in my own personal life. You know, I I never thought I would change the world, but I could change myself. And I was surrounded by friends and bandmates and and other like minded people. We all thought the same thing. We're like, well, fuck it. You know, we're doing it. And you know, we weren't like thinking at least personally i wasn't like naive thinking i was going to change the world but i was going to change my world and my friends around me were changing their world and i wanted to be with them and like them and and we all just kind of did it together and we had our own little scene or whatever you want to call it i don't know yeah 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 because eric and i we grew up with each other so it's you know we kind of all did that together I was, you know, I'm a couple of years younger than Eric. We kind of just all kind of discovered all these things to a lot of these things together. Some of them, some of them we discovered on our own or whatever, but a lot of them we did it together. And, uh, we're we're a positive influence on each other. We're doing our thing. And then, you know, we wrote songs about it and yeah, songs with other people. And if they were into it, also, yeah. cool, you know, I mean, I was, I was 17. I was 17 when I started playing with Ostrad. I couldn't have asked for a better graduation from high school. Cause it was like, I, I remember I wasn't <laughs> going to go, I wasn't going to go to my ceremony. And the fucking principal comes up to me, sticks a cap and gown under my arm. And I'm walking down the hall. He's like, your dad got you this. I'm like, fuck. So I had to go to this graduation. <laughs> So I had to go to this graduation ceremony. It was supposed to be outside. It ended up raining. So they moved it inside. And I'm like, this is going to take longer. But uh, Osrotten had a show in Allentown that night. And that was the other reason I didn't want to go. I was like, I got to go to Allentown for this show, blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, yeah, long story short, I had to sit through it. And it was like... I left. I I left. I remember leaving after the ceremony. I still had my cap and gown on, and I like, you know, busted out the, you know, out the doors, and 
the van comes pulling up and my friends slide open the door and, you know, I, I jump in and I'm still in my cap and gown, man. And uh, off to Allentown, I went. That's how I graduated high school. Yeah. Went to play, play the show in Allentown. And that's, it was pretty fucking awesome. It's almost school. We are like, uh, like, you know, it, it's, it was really surreal, I guess. You know, it was the perfect way to graduate high school, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Eric, are you older, or did you I drop? I'm like two, two, two years older than on court. Yeah, forty-seven. So, like the story he's talking about, like graduating from high school, I was already out of school for like two or three years. Okay, at that point, yeah, yeah, they came and picked me up. Yeah, it was yeah. Just like, we literally drove the van packed with all the gear and everything up to the high school to the graduation ceremony, and like opened the side door. Corey come running, jumped in, closed the door, and then we took off to go. You know, it was it's, it's right out of a fucking movie, you know, right out of a movie. Yeah. Really hilarious. <laughs> like suburbia. Yeah. I also, dude, I also yeah, ran like, out of there with, yeah. with this girl that I had a crush on through all through high school. And she was a drummer and she played this band called the Barbed Wire Dolls. And she had a show that night in Cleveland or some shit like that. So she had her truck out there packed and ready to go. And I ran out the door with her, dude. It was it was pretty fucking sweet. I don't know, and that was like when the they last make time the Osrod movie. That'll be the opening scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. But it, no, yeah. it, it, it was just something right out of a it movie. Was, yeah. It was cool. It was like the last time I saw her again, you know. But yeah, it was pretty awesome. But that was the thing, man. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, this is what I'm gonna fucking do, and that was my goal for, you know, I. I for, I don't know, man, as long as Osrot was a man, as long as I did Caustic Christ and like uh, Kim fucking stuff like that, it was like, up until I was about maybe maybe 10 years ago, every decision that I made was based on music. Like, it was based on doing a band. It was based on, what are, uh, you know, am I going to take these three other guys into consideration of whatever choice it is I'm going to make, you know? Because there was this period of time I tried... I tried to leave Pittsburgh and go up to New York and uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it was, uh, I, I just couldn't do it. I wanted to get back and I just missed Pittsburgh too much. And it was like, I missed my bandmates and all that shit. And I bet, yeah, for a good, I don't know, man, fuck, good 15, 20 years. It seems like every choice I made was based on music and, uh, it's led me down some good roads. It's led me down some stupid roads, you know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all in all, it's good though, man. You know, it's yeah. It's I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's it, it shaped like punk, you know, shaped my politics. You know how I view the world. You know, and a lot, a lot of it was. It wasn't so much. Of course, it was like you know, you know lyrics and such you know but it was also a lot of his uh i think the experience because words are words man you know it's just like there's so many people that listen to the same words that i listened to when you know it was like when i was 15 or 16 i heard the same things you heard when you were 15 and 16 and some of those people now they're like flag waving gun toting flag hugging foot-washing Baptist now, you know? Yeah, we heard the same words. 
But, but I, I think uh, experiencing a lot of this, being fortunate enough to travel around, go from city to city, meet different people, see how they they do things. You know, it was just like this, like kind of like like the birth of DIY in a sense. Not so much the birth, but it was just like watching like the ide- ideology of DIY being applied and working. You know, that that's had a huge impact on me. You know, it's, it's where my my politics come from. I guess you know. Mainly experience. It is, and there's something about punk. No matter how shitty a punk tour is, eventually, like you come across and you get a play in Pittsburgh with Osrod, and you don't really know how it's going to go, and then you end up being yeah. friends for like 25 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I don't know. Was that your was that your first time out east when you came through with the fines? Uh, not out east, but first time in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to think of when, even, when, when the hell that even was. Now that was that was the first to find. It was somewhere between '92 and '94. I can't remember exactly, but it was that sometime in that era. Wow. The first defiance tour within Humane. Yeah. Wow. How have your politics changed over the years, or have they at all? Have they changed? I mean, I, I... I'm just angrier about different things. I'm yeah. still angry about the same things, but I'm <laughs> angrier about different things. That, about. Yeah, it's like, is there some things that I'm not as angry about? Sure, yeah. Um, is it because they got better? No, not really. Uh, maybe I just got tired of being mad about those things and I needed to be mad about something else. You know, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I kind of move my move that around or just even, or even take pride in certain or even taking pride in certain things, you know, I, I should like not everything's doom and gloom. There's certain certain things that have changed my politics, and you know, it was like positive things that did that. You know, again, experiencing some, you know, I don't know. I think even like being a part of some of the. I mean, Eric, Eric did most of them this summer, like a lot of the Black Lives Matter marches and stuff like that, or. The black solidarity marches that happened in Pittsburgh. Eric was uh, Eric did a lot of that this summer. Um, but being being a part of that, man, yeah, that it, that's that's that that'll change you, man. You know, shit like that. Yeah. It, it that it, it'll it'll change. And it's yeah. I I think I don't know, you know, what really has changed over the years for me. I don't know, like I I think certain things I got a little bit more involved with. Like Corey says, maybe other things got on put on the back burner or whatever. Um, I don't think I've changed much. If anything, I've gotten deeper into things, you know. And I've like since shit's not getting any better, you know. Let's face it, it really isn't. Yeah. And I mean, this country elected Donald fucking Trump for Christ's sake, you know. And obviously, things were getting worse. And and I just I don't know. So I, I think for yeah, you know, I'm just like stumbling over my words here, but I, I think I, I just got deeper into things, you know, a lot of things I just got deeper into and I don't think my politics have really changed. You know, I'm, 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 I'm older. Uh, my health is not getting too deep into that, but my health, you know, has, has deteriorated. I have health issues now. So, so I'm not out there on the front lines as much as I'd like to be or whatever, but I'm an older person. 
I know it's a younger person's game. So yeah. I support young people. There's a lot of great youth organizations here in Pittsburgh, black youth organizations, and they're out there doing things. And I support them. I could maybe can't be there alongside of them because I'm older and yeah, I have a job and my heart is fucked up and I have health issues now and stuff, but I support them. If I need, if I can give them some money or spread what they're saying through social media or through my friends and, and, and stuff, you know, that's kind of where I sit now. You know, when I was younger, it was easier to, you know, be angry and want to go out and fight, literally fight people and be on the front lines and march and deal with police and stuff. Now I'm like, well, I have maybe I have more to lose now. You know, <laughs> my health isn't so great. And you know, when I'm a kid getting taking a chance of getting arrested is one thing when you're younger and then you know you're now a middle-aged person. Do you really want to go to jail? And you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But I support the young people who, who <laughs> want to, and I sound like such an old man, but the country's fucked up and fuck, man. The least you can do is support the people who want to go out there and fight, you know? Yeah. If you can't do it yourself yeah. anymore, you got to support the people who can and choose to do that, you know, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like going to a hardcore show. I just kind of stand, I'm there, I stand in the back, you know, I pay the guys support to get in and, you know. I pay my money to get in, I'll buy your record. But yeah, I'm I'll buy your record. Yeah, but I'm going to stand in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I have a heart condition now, I can't slam dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's just such a, it's, it's such a refreshing view of from people who are getting older and yeah. being supportive of people who are younger. Yeah. And instead of just talking shit and not yeah, yeah. alienating right. them. I feel like I'm seeing less and less of that. Maybe it's because I've seen less and less people in the past year, but it's like <laughs> I don't I don't see that happening as much anymore. I hope it's true. I hope it's not just me not seeing it. But I'm seeing a lot more like older people getting involved. And yeah. a lot of the same people who, what we were talking about earlier, that blew us shit 30 years ago for getting involved in anarchism or politics or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And now I'm seeing them and, you know, supporting it and, and getting more active. Because I don't know. I think it got maybe, maybe did it get so bad? Did it get so bad that people realized, like, holy shit, yeah, yeah. you know? And now I really have to get involved, maybe, you know, it wasn't like they weren't involved in the first place. But, you know, I'm seeing like I'm seeing a lot of young people obviously involved, but uh, it's, it's really cool. And people our age and older even getting involved, being, you know, what the things they say, the things they do. You know, when I was going to a lot of marches over the summer. I'm seeing like people from the punk scene from the, the 80s and the 90s. Hey, what's up? You know, walking right, yeah. right next to you and stuff. And that was really cool. Again, this fucking country elected Donald fucking Trump and the shit he was fucking saying <laughs> was straight up fascist. Come on, you know, say what you want about Democrats. He's still, and liberals. He's still saying it. He's like, still saying yeah. shit. He's still, you know. I mean, how can you not be involved? That's the way I see it. People say, how, how, yeah. you know, how come you're still involved in, in activism or politics or whatever? It's like, how can you not be, man? You can't sit back and let this shit happen. Yeah. Because some of the shit that Republican politicians are saying these days, 
that would have even been shocking in the 90s when you could just straight up be racist. Yeah. It's, crossed, it's crossed over into, I mean, fascism. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the shit we just, you know, think Reagan was saying when we were kids is <laughs> timid and, and tame and mild, you know, in a lot of ways to what people are saying now. Yeah, even the shit David Duke said in his when he was oh, running for office, like yeah. even he held it back more than some yeah. politicians <laughs> can say. Well, that's yeah. what I think was so attractive to these people. The, the, why Donald Trump was so attractive because he he spoke what he was on his mind and all this shit, you know. And he, your average politician is gonna say fucked up shit and want to do fucked up shit, and they're doing fucked up shit, but they know how to like word it right and sell it to people people don't even want that anymore they want these motherfuckers to come yeah. out and say it because i think they were so afraid with political correctness and all that you know they became afraid to say fucked up shit and then now they got this guy who has the guts to say the fuck there's up no shit. filter yeah no and they're like it. damn right i've been wanting to say that myself too but i was afraid now we got this guy now we voted for him and he's running the country the world, let's face it. And now we got the guts to say this fucked up shit. And so some of these people, so many of these people crawled under their rocks again and hid. And then they start coming out again because they got empowered by by Trump. And yeah. So that means we had to turn up the turn it up and, and put the foot on the gas too and go back to fucking not, to fight these people again like we did 25, 30 years ago, you know? It's crazy. At the BLM marches that you were at, was there was there a lot of white people? Did it did it help race relations in Pittsburgh? I mean, can anything? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, white people have a lot to learn, man. We all have. I still have a lot to learn. We all do, especially in this city. So, sure, if it got people on the right, I, I don't know. You know, if it got people on the right path, that's great. You know, did it solve everything? Is it all like utopia? No. And, oh, and, yeah. No, absolutely. Who knows? But I mean, if it gets people thinking and listening to black people and listening to what they have to say and, and trying to be a, a white ally or, or whatever. Awesome. You know, everything helps. You know, it, it may never solve the problems. But fuck, you know, it's, it's better than the alternative. It's better than sitting on your ass, you know. Get out there and listen yeah. to people when they have to say, and go from there. You know, it's a good start. Yeah, but I mean, because there's been times in Pittsburgh history, well, I mean, in everywhere history, but where it's been kind of like a racial tinderbox. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just wanted to last some, and only progress, like nothing's ever going to solve it. It's going to be a constant fight till the end. Oh, of yeah. Life. But I just, yeah, trying to come up with something positive from all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh was, it's kind of different. It was like, not only was it racially divided, it was ethnically divided. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, the white people were divided. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like the Irish hate the Italians. And- yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's, it, it was kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like we have the Italian neighborhood, the German neighborhood, the Irish neighborhood, that uh, they call them the hunky neighborhoods, which is like Eastern Europeans, Eastern Europeans, Slovak, <laughs> uh, Russian. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's even like there's cemeteries. It's, it's like there's like even the the cemeteries. It's like it's like you know, oh, I'll be damned if we let that that Italian yeah, that northern Italian Catholic motherfucker in our our cemetery. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's it's you'll you'll see it, man. It's it's just it's it's pretty fucking gnarly. I'm laughing just because it's so ridiculous. Uh, I don't even really like, I say it's about. funny. I, I just like, shake my head. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Know. I mean, because the Russians even hate the Slovaks. And, yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. But yeah, Pittsburgh has always been kind of divided, like in, in many ways, you know. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not like that anymore. It's like, you know. It's becoming it is. More and more. It is. No, I mean, it still is kind of divided. I mean, we've definitely come a long way, but we still got a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But it's not what I'm saying. It's not. It's. It's not as. It's not ethnically divided the way it was. But it's. It's. it's yeah, still yeah. Racial, It's still racially divided. Yeah. And Pittsburgh, like uh, like a lot of other cities, like like Portland, like I mean, a lot of the major cities is like, you know, we have. Like Pittsburgh's always it's it's always been slow and steady has won the race here. I mean it's like it's like gentrification is is definitely something that was really happening here uh at a at a pretty rapid pace. Things happened here pretty fast in the past few years. And uh it seems like it's just gonna keep going slowly, slowly and slow. It's just gonna start uh I don't know. It's going to like Portland, Portland, just like, just, I don't know, man, what happened there? It was just like one day it was, it was like kind of seedy. The next day it was just like bougie and expensive and probably yeah, even, more, even more whiter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. With artisanal ice cream and yeah, artisanal yeah. beer oil stores. And yeah, it's yeah. become like a joke of itself. Yeah, <laughs> they made a television show about it, didn't they? And that, that Portland, yes, yeah, 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 making yeah. fun of that, wasn't it? Yeah, but, yeah I mean, I hate to cop to it, but no, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> you know, that's that's coming this way for sure, you know. And I don't know, it's going to be Pittsburgh. It's 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 gonna they'll just re- relocate all the poor people like they've always done. You know, it's what yeah, they do. Yeah. It's Oh, we That's want what this over here. Just moves them farther and farther out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, and that's that's what's going to happen here eventually. And you know, the only thing I can really do is be really aware of who I vote for. You know, at a, at a local level. You know, and uh, well, that's that's about it, I guess. And so we had we had a lot of the same. You know, Nazi skinhead problems in the 80s, early 90s, probably that you guys had. We yeah. talk about this in your song. Sorry about that. You said Nazi skinheads and it sent the dogs off. <laughs> <laughs> I trained them well. Uh, man, barking <laughs> dogs is as common as like having Grab a the gun. Button on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so talk about fuck Nazi sympathy and how that come about. Oh, um, I wrote that one. So, oh. 
<laughs> not like trying to like take credit. <laughs> but, uh, Go have but, a drink, uh, Corey. Uh, You're off the hook. There's no reason to get too deep into it. It's 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 is what it is. You know, I mean, read the lyrics. That's why it's such a simple song lyrically. Um, <clears throat> yeah, for me, it was just you know when I got into punk, there was. You know, a lot of Nazis around. Not that people accepted them, but they were kind of just there, and you dealt with it. And um, you know, certain people had to stand up against them. I'm not going to say that they didn't, but um, it got to the point where like, there's no more excuses. You know what I mean? Like, for me, there was just too many excuses. Like, okay, well, this guy is a Nazi or whatever feels this way, but. He's it's what Corey and I call the old the the carny code here, the old school carny code. Well, if somebody's like old school or they were once cool or they were once this or that, they get a pass. But like these Nazis don't because they're from a suburb and they're not cool and blah blah blah. And it went the other way too. The Nazis were like, okay, well, this person's a person of color or black or whatever, but hey, they're cool because you know they're old or I knew them for a while, or they go to the right parties, or they're in the right band. So it was just weird shit, you know, like that. And um, it's, it, and it works, it's, it's like, he's, he's one of the good ones, and it works yeah. both ways, Yeah, you know, literally. He's good got, for yeah. one of those, for being one of those. Yeah, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, enough. Fuck this shit, fuck Nazi sympathy, and, you know, a lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> but a lot of people did. A lot of people did. We got a lot of support because I think it was one of those things that like there was a lot of people felt the same way, but they didn't have the chance to say it. You know, and Corey and I had a lot of friends from school that went that route. You know, there there I had friends in high school that were into punk and stuff. And then next thing you know, they're in a screwdriver. And I was like, okay, let me check out this screwdriver shit. And I'm like, ooh, nah, not into it. And they stuck with it. And it was tough. It's tough to have friends go a certain way. And we're dealing with it now. You know, this whole Trump yeah. shit divides families and divides friends. And so it was, you know, to that level. And I think by the time, like I was thinking about this stuff at the time for, for a few years. And by the time I had Osrod and had a voice and was playing in a band that people were listening to and taking seriously and stuff, I finally had my chance to say that. You know what I mean? So I wrote that song. It was a statement. You know, I thought I, it was sincere and I meant it and all. I didn't realize what it was going to become. I didn't realize that, you know, years later, it's it's some kind of anthem. And, you know, the, the <laughs> words fuck Nazi sympathy are right up there with Nazi punks fuck off. And no word, okay, okay, no fascist USA, which I was hearing that chanted in marches over the summer. And, you know, who would ever think an NDC lyric? <laughs> <laughs> Some years later, is there's yeah. this you know white liberal from the suburbs out there chanting no more. They can't, they can't no like, How the fuck do they know that? You know. Um, and quickly, um, there was a pro uh, a march here in Pittsburgh. Um, there was a, a a person who went to a local synagogue, and it's uh, <clears throat> tough to talk about, but um went to a local synagogue and shot and killed a lot of Jewish people. And there was a solidarity march in the neighborhood, Squirrel Hill, where the, the Jewish neighborhood here in Pittsburgh. And I attended it and 
we were marching in solidarity, you know, the Jewish community was awesome, very positive. Thousands of people showed up. Awesome. Fucking Trump. I'm not gonna say the guy's name who who did this act. Fuck him. Trump shows up to get his publicity, to get his fucking photo opportunity. He goes and visits the victims in the hospital, you know, goes to the synagogue, etc. So this march is going on at the same time that Trump's in town doing his thing. So at one point, it was kind of planned to have the march come up and meet his motorcade as he was leaving the synagogue or going to synagogue. I can't remember. And we did. It worked out perfectly. The march shows up. He's they're driving by. Everyone's like, turn your back, turn your back on the motorcade. No, fuck you to Trump. Turn your back on. And as we're doing that, I look over across the street and there's this, this guy. He's not a punk. He's just like a young person. And he's holding up a big sign. Fuck Nazi sympathy. And he's aiming that fucking sign right at Trump's limo. I blew me away. You know, I was like, holy fucking shit. Like there's a song I wrote 25 years ago, whenever it was. And it, it's a fucking slogan. And there's this Pittsburgher putting it on a sign. He didn't have a mohawk. It wasn't a punk. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was into punk. It, wasn't. I mean, it just looked like, you know, a regular young hip hipster person or whatever. And he's holding this sign and aiming it. He didn't turn his back. He fucking aimed that sign right at the goddamn motorcade. And it was awesome. You know, it blew me away. So that's whenever I realized that song and that saying and that feeling and that sentiment or whatever you want to call it transcended it left punk and it went into the real world you know and it's pretty fucking awesome and i just wrote it basically saying like what it was you know fuck this shit fuck these people they don't give a fuck about you don't give them any kind of sympathy or anything like that because they're not going to give it back in return you know um intolerance of the intolerant you know what i mean and then years later, it's being used in fucking as a chant and protests and stuff that by people who aren't from the punk scene. So, yeah, I don't know, that's what I have to say about that song. <laughs> Man, that's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. since we wrote that song i've been looking over my fucking shoulder and it's i know it sounds like some like 
I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy or like some paranoid guy that everyone has it out for me, but yeah, fucking sure as shit, man. 25 years later, uh, somebody from somebody from our past who certainly wasn't a fan of us, you know, I I got popped, man. Yeah, I got fucking. I, I I paid for this song. You know what I mean? Like I, that's what that was. It was 25 years in the making of. One of these days, one of these days, and uh, I, 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 yeah, I just got, I just got beat up by a bunch of fucking Nazis, and that was like, that was one of the things that they were saying when they were kicking me, fuck Nazi sympathy, huh? And it was just, I don't remember it. That's what I was told because I got, yeah, I got knocked the fuck out. And so yeah, I, I still paid, I, I paid for it. I knew it was coming, you know, I knew it was coming, and uh, one of these days, and it, it, it happened, and uh. In the Bob or Wonderland? Were you? Was I in Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was in Pittsburgh. Is it? It was in my own. Is in my own neighborhood. Yeah, in oh, a bar damn. right behind my house. Uh, it was pretty fucked up. And uh, strangely enough, so that that was a couple years ago that happened. A couple about, years ago? It's about three, four years. Yeah, about three years ago. This and recent, man. This, oh, this wasn't. This wasn't when we were young. This wasn't. This, yeah, this was recent. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I say. Have a long memory. Yo, oh, yeah, oh yeah. And uh, they knew. They knew exactly. You know, it was like they knew. A couple of these guys I'd never seen before, but they knew who I was. You know, it was like they knew I hung out there. They, I don't know. They they knew exactly who I was, and yeah, that was like I don't know. It's fine. It's like that. I feel like Obi Wan. It's like you can strike me down, you know. That kind of shit, you know. And it's just, uh, yeah, and it's just like I'm okay with it, you know. It's just like I didn't call the cops, you know. The, you know, I was viciously yeah. assaulted. I was like, don't call the fucking cops. I'm not getting. I'm don't call the cops. It's just my thing. Don't call the cops. But uh. Yeah, yeah. So they got their they got theirs in on me. So yeah, they're strong words that we still we still have to live with, and we still yeah. we don't care. We still fucking mean yeah. it. We meant it now. Yeah. Then we mean it now. We know the consequences of what we said. We don't give a fuck. We fucking mean it, you know. Okay. And I'm not looking for violence or anything. I feel <laughs> fucking heartbroken. What happened to Corey? Yeah, really yeah. Fun. I would have been more pissed off if I would have punched one of these guys and broke my hand. If I would have done that, they would have won. You know what I mean? They're not worth breaking, my, to not worth breaking a hand over. Yeah, exactly. If I, if I break my hand, I can't work. You know, so it's like they win. So yeah, next time, next time if it happens again, that'll be. It's like the first thing of, of engaging in war is like cripple, cripple the opponent financially. You know, like isn't that what they do? <laughs> Cripple a country finances. That's what they do. It's like give them their own shit. You know, give them back their own shit. I don't know, but, but it's crazy. You know, people in their fucking forties and fifties are still fighting, yeah fighting over this kind of shit. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, they feel strongly, and so do we. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, some things never. Change. That's the thing, though. Yeah, my, my 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 fighting days like that are are gone. They're you know I'm you know I I, I don't I don't physically engage anymore you know it's yeah. just not my not my thing uh yeah in my 50s i'm not planning to get rap packed and i'm not planning to go back to jail yeah yeah that's dude i'm, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm sorry I'm, that happened to you 
Um, um, yeah, no, it's it's all good though, man. You know, that's what I'm saying. Good thing, good things became of it. You know, I mean, it's just like none of those fuckers have been back in our neighborhood since then. You know, um, and it it kind of a lot of people. And it, yeah, it, it 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 exposed a lot yeah. of people, man. Yeah. A lot yeah, of people I mean, were a lot that. of people were were held accountable for it. So again, it was. It was like people that were like, oh, that person's not so bad, you know, and it's like, no, they're, they're, they're a fucking Nazi dude, you know? So, yeah. So some good things came of it, a bit of a shakedown, you know, it's just like kind of what happened, you know, it shook things up and it, it, you know, kind of, kind of threw everything up in the air for a minute and everything landed where it needed to land, you know? So. Well, yeah, and I'm sure not even just how much you were hurt, but I mean, I bet everyone close to you was just terrified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, yeah, it was it was just terrified our entire neighborhood, you know, and all my friends, you know, in and around Pittsburgh, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was scary. But, you know, again, it was. To me, it was for as fucked up as it sounds like it was totally worth it. I'd do it again, you know. <laughs> I'd get my I'd get my ass beat for it again, you know. So you know, in a weird way, it was kind of like a wake up call. I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people, yeah, it got a lot yeah. of people, got a lot of people on their toes. Not a lot of people are again not taking shit, and they're fucking looking out, and they're not taking shit anymore, and they're 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 ready to go. Yeah, well, and yeah, because you can't. You can't really keep tabs on the on them anymore. They don't have to recruit at bump shows. No, they're all they the like you. Anymore. You yeah. used to know how you used to know how many of them there were because they had to come to punk shows to recruit. Now yeah. they don't anymore. So I have no idea what they're like. What's going on? I don't or know what they look like. like. There's a thousand of them. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what they look like anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, yeah. somebody's. You know, it's not like. These guys aren't strictly, you know, docks, bombers, and, you know, braces and shit like that anymore, you know, boots and braces anymore. But it, it's just uh, a couple of those guys that, that jumped me, man. They, I don't know. Yeah, they didn't, the one dude just looked like a fucking norm, you know? It was, it was kind of strange, man. It's, it's like, I don't talk about it anymore, man. Yeah. It's upsetting. Yeah. yeah. And, well, on coming off of that, after all the bullshit and so much like that, what keeps you guys involved in punk still? What else am I going to do, man? <laughs> <laughs> I tried Scientology. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm not like involved all that much anymore. I am, I'm more of an outsider, you know, like I said, I, I'm older, you know, work my, 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 my job before the pandemic, I was traveling, I was on the road a lot. I, I wasn't home much. So I missed out on shows and stuff like that. I don't play music anymore. You know, I'll get out to a show or an event or something here and there, but I'm, I'm not like diehard involved. I have to be at every fucking show, but uh, I, I still like the music. You know, the music's great. The message is cool and all that. You know, I I still listen to all the records and stuff. And a new band comes out, especially locally. I want to check them out. I'll 
try to catch a show or buy their record or listen to their demo online or whatever it may be. Um, as long as the show's over by midnight. Also. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I love the, yeah, the all ages warehouse show. It starts. To <laughs> yeah. Not only is it for the, the kids, it's for the, the old folks. <laughs> have to get, go wake up at four in the morning, go to work the next day. But, um, yeah, like so, I'm not like involved, but I'm involved enough. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of more on the outsider. I don't plan on playing music again or anything like that. It's just where I'm at. But I still try to support what people are doing and check out new bands. And I, you know, I I still love the music. It's my favorite genre of music. You know, I listen to different types of music. Not so, but punk is always going to be the main style of music that I, it moves me and gets me going. I I, I love it. You know, so. Yeah. Keeps me going, and it's inspiring to see new bands that still are coming out and they kick ass and are fucking awesome. Or young people who are on the political side of it and are going and demonstrating and going to marches and doing cool shit and stuff. It's you know, it still inspires me. But I'm definitely not. I'll admit, I'm definitely not as active as I I, I once was. But you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, How have you I, kept I, yourself from getting jaded? Um. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably jaded to a certain degree. I think it just comes naturally. I try just to really to step away from it and, and think about it when, when I do get jaded. Like, you know what? For me, it's, I don't know, as cheesy as it may sound, it's like, I'm old guard. I'm, I'm old. I, I like to see the young people come in and do what they're doing and stuff. And, you know, part of me can sit back and be like, well, you're doing it wrong or that's not how we did it. And then I always have to step away from that and think like, who cares? Who cares how we did it? It's theirs now. Let them do it how they want to do it. And just as long as they're not fucking shit up, which they're not, (laughs) then cool, man. That's their thing. It's it's theirs now. You know, we, we handed it to them. You know, we did our work. They they're coming up. We handed it to them. Okay, now it's yours. Yeah, just Don't like we did. Up. You know, Don't just like we did. Same thing. Older people, you know, gave us criticisms and shit like that. But at the same time, realized like, hey, this is your thing now. Yeah. Here you go. Don't fuck it up. So we're kind of doing the same thing. Hey, we did our work. It's yours now. You're doing a great job. You're having fun. Just please don't yeah. fuck it up. And. Yeah, it's like- there you go. And you know what? They don't give a shit about us. And it's awesome. That used to bother me. <laughs> that used to bother me. Like younger people you know, would look at me in a show. I'm like, what the fuck's this? You know, somebody's uncle showed up. Who's this cop? <laughs> and yeah. I'd be like, hey, man, you know, I'm just trying to hang out. Hey, what the fuck? Well, so, and I thought about it. I'm like, that's cool. They don't give a fuck about me. They don't give a fuck about my dad and all that shit. There, there it's some- theirs now. It's their scene. And they should there care was- about what they're doing in their bands and the new bands and and stuff like that. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Before the pandemic, there was a, this kid that worked in some studio and he wound up with some, like, I don't even know what fucking studio he worked at, but he, he wound up with this like off rotten recording. Um, I don't know what it was. It was like, was it adapting a dat tape or some shit like that. That those even existed. He, he, Posted something about it on the internet, like like I'll sell it or some shit like that. I, I, I don't know. He thought he had, thought he really had something here, you know. The lost like, rings, like something. <laughs> it was like, nah, dude, you don't have. So I, I hit the kid up. I'm like, 
well, you can also do the right thing and, you know, give it back, you know, or whatever, you know, there's no, there's no money to be made here, you know? So he was cool. He was just, he was just a young kid, man, young, young dude. So he, uh, and this is all over like message, like, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, we're just messaging each other. And I've never met this kid. I had no idea what he looked like. And he was going to go to this show. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to go to that show too. And again, I didn't, I, I had no idea who this person was. And I was like, I'm the one that looks like a cop. I'm the one that's going to be dressed like a cop standing in a corner. That's <laughs> like how I describe myself. And he found me. So, but uh, yeah, he kid came out. I don't know. Someone's like, yeah, it's the guy from Osrod, you know, whatever. Go, you know. But yeah, that's how I describe myself. I'm like, I'm the one that looks like a cop. Like a narc. See the overweight person with the gray hair that looks like a narc? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how you find me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like, I don't know, changing of the guard. I don't know. But I guess, like, I still go to shows every now and again. I don't, I don't necessarily... I'd rather see live bands than buy some than buy their record, that type of thing. You know, it's just like, oh, do I really need a another band that sounds like negative approach, you know, or whatever? It's just like I'll go see them and enjoy them that way. Because if I buy the record, I'll probably never listen to it. You know, and I'm not just in bands that sound like negative approach by any means, but uh yeah, I don't know. I still like seeing Live music, I guess. That's that's how I judge a band is by their live performance. So and yeah, anymore I stand in the back or I stand on the side somewhere safely. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 about that now. Uh, I'm excited for the people that are like like the younger people that have kind of taken over with things, you know, I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore. Let's put it that way. You know, <laughs> like the guy, the guy that books shows and stuff like that, because I did Eric, Eric did as well. We, we, we booked shows for a long time. And after a yeah. while, man, it was just like, I wasn't having fun doing it anymore. And things were starting to change the way, the way business was being done was, was changing, you know? And on top of that, that was like one of those reasons I never signed up for social medias. I never did like the MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. And like, uh, I had to think about what was that shit called? Uh, yeah. But, uh, and like Facebook and all that. I never did that shit. And that was like part of the reason that was me staying out of the game. You know what I mean? Of like booking shows and shit like that. It's like, well, they can't get a hold of me on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook, you know? And I have a new phone number because. <laughs> I, I, I still have like a phone book with, I probably, Tony, I probably have your phone number in this book I have. So I had like, it's like all from like the early nineties and stuff like that. Like all these yeah. phone numbers, you would write down in a phone book, you know, it's just like, yeah, little, <laughs> and I got all, like, all these <laughs> phone numbers, but, um, yeah, I'm on yeah. Instagram. That's when Tony found me to do this interview and now I'm going to delete my fucking Instagram. So I have to do this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what's funny too? It's like at going least on I'm not calling you at four in the morning to ask you to stay at your house. Uh, at least that. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like I was just talking about this last night. I was like, so I'm going Monday to get vaccinated, or at least the one shot on on Monday. I'm getting it, and uh, I was like, 
but I don't want to tell anybody that I'm vaccinated because I don't want to go out anywhere. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like a reason to stay in like, Oh, thanks for the invite. But but I I haven't been vaccinated yet. You You just told the world. Yeah, so it's just Everyone's like one's gonna be edit that out. Edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come over to can't come to your show. Yeah, I can't come to your show. I haven't been vaccinated yet. So um I'm not ready to go back to I'm in in all seriousness, I'm not ready to go back to normal life, man. You know, it's just like I do my thing, I you know, I, I go to work, uh I come home, you know, I hang out with my family and stuff and you know, see a couple friends here and there, and man, I'm 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 not obligated to go to a show or go to the bar or you know, just whatever. Um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this lockdown life. <laughs> <laughs> Dina and I are coming back to get vaccines. Oh, cool! Oh, really? Yeah. Is it that hard in Europe too? Holy oh, shit! Yeah. Europe's really dropped the ball. I would imagine here it's not going to be till September, maybe even Christmas. What? Wow. But yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to come back, spend the summer in Portland. Oh, cool, man. Oh, that's, yeah, man. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah, shit. I think, actually, that's like one of the places uh, Melissa and I are talking about going. I've always liked it there, man, but I haven't been there in shit. I haven't been to Portland in fucking years, man. When was it? You played at East End. That was the last time. Oh, I, was well, I guess Portland. East End was even ten years. I guess that was even ten years ago. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it has been a long time. Uh, yeah, that was the last time I was there. <laughs> wow, wow, that's crazy. Wow, yeah. You know what? I, uh, you know, you know that dude, uh, Jake. Uh, oh, what the hell's his last name? What? He goes by Cheeto. He's yeah, yeah. He used yeah. to work at Starbar. Yeah, he. Yeah. He lives in Pittsburgh and he was telling me about how after the East End caught, like after the East End burnt down, somebody had to go in to get something because it was like some riff tape, like riffs, like recordings. Is it? Is this? Oh, true? yeah. The, some of them. Yeah. Some of the master tapes. Yeah. That, that survived. And it was like, you can't go in there because like the insurance company, you know, it's like after a fire, you can't go in and take shit. And this kid, I forget, I don't know if it was Cheeto or not, but he was just telling me this story about how, like, oh no, you 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 gotta let us go get this stuff, you know? And they, 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 and then somebody like just turned or turned turned an eye for a minute, you know, and like, okay, go get him or whatever. I just wanted to say thank you guys for doing this. It was yeah, man, really fun talking to you again. Yeah, likewise, man. And one last thing, one last thing before we go. Last thing. What was the last band you saw before COVID? I don't remember. I can't. I I honestly don't remember. Yeah. I oh, don't okay. remember. Man, thank you guys so much for doing this. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea, thanks a lot. I hope I see lot. you this summer. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Bye, you guys. All right. Bye-bye.